Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And since we're talking to you from our home in Illinois, we don't have much in the way of camping home adventures again. to share with you this month. But we are going to be talking a lot about technology as it relates to RVing. So you won't be hearing too much from me today, but I'll be sitting here oh, quietly learning from my high-tech guru about technology issues that affect the world of RVs. Lots of interesting topics today, so you're going to want to stay tuned. We have uh, tons of uh, good things for you to listen to, and we hope that we can keep you entertained for the next half hour or so. First of all, though, let's get uh, our contact information out of the way. This is the RV Navigator episode 28. We always love to hear from you at our listener comment line at 815-230-0772. And of course, the RVNavigator.com website is always available to you to send us an email or to listen to the podcasts and, of course, to get the show notes, of which there are going to be lots of interesting links for you to take a listen to. So we have uh, some interesting emails that we received this month. As always, we do appreciate hearing from you, and that's what uh, keeps us going. Our friend Susie is about to start uh, RVing and is interested to know which state they should make their You're residence in. You're saying Susie is about to start RVing full-time. I think so. And okay. I think she also said that she was not, I don't have the email here right now, that they have not RVed before. So they have lots of questions. A real leap of faith. So listening to us, they're trying to get themselves up to speed. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, which state would you reside in and why? Well, some people keep their mailing address where they started living in the first place. Um, in our case, for example, we get some tax benefits for our pension if we are remaining in Illinois since we were civil servants in Illinois. So it would be silly for us to move our um, state of residence to another state. But that still doesn't solve the problem of what to do with your mail. And as a full-timer, you have to choose a state. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the state where you have always lived. We, because we still have a stick house um, and only RV six or so months out of the year, uh, really don't have much choice in terms of where we live. We're going to live where we have always lived, I guess. Although we are always looking around. But uh, which state would you live in? I think many full-timers live in either, well... I don't want to say they live in, but their official residence is Texas, uh, Florida, or South, South Dakota. Dakota. Hmm. A very interesting mix of states. Well, I know South Dakota suffers from a relatively low population, and their legislature thought it would be nice to have some more voters on the rolls and give them some more senators and representatives and clout in Congress. So they have um, put in some wrinkles that make it uh, financially and practically a benefit for full-time RVers to pretend they live in South Dakota. 
So the state that you choose for your residence as a full-timer really is an individual decision, and you need to do a fair amount of research. Uh, we are not full-timers, so it's not really uh, a decision that we've had to make. Um, we have a stick house here in Illinois and probably will continue to live here uh, as our official residence, even though we do travel a fair amount uh, outside the, the state of Illinois, of course. But uh, South Dakota, Texas, Florida, or what states without um, individual income tax and have other benefits that you might want to take a look at, including they they actually solicit um, RVers as, as residents and make it quite easy for you. As far as mail goes, and living in Texas... Um, is a good choice because they have uh, escapees, and we use escapees for our mail. And you might want to consider them also because they definitely uh, promote the Texas living and the Texas residency. They help you with voting, and they help you with uh, vehicle registration. They help you with uh, getting a license, a driver's license in Texas. And we've always been very happy with them. And they certainly have offered us very good forwarding service. There have been times when we've been overseas and the mail has just been piling up in their office and they don't seem to object to that. And the fall that we spent in Hawaii for two months, uh, they forwarded the mail to us there as well. Um, And they've done an excellent job. We've never lost anything. Very uh, consumer friendly and uh, they're interested in their customers. Uh, So we can definitely recommend them. Um, It costs something on the order of $100 a year plus postage for you to have them get your mail. And we use them year-round. We have most of our magazine subscriptions, for instance, go to our Texas address, and then they're forwarded to us at our regular mail address here at home to save us from having to keep our magazines going back and forth. Uh, One of the things that the post office doesn't do is forward your magazines after two months. And um, so if you want to continue to get those things, you have to have your magazine sent to a different, uh, to a mail service address. And you always know that they're escapees because it's Livingston, Texas. We once wanted to visit Livingston, but we never quite made it. So we don't know exactly where our mail is calls home. It really doesn't seem to be on the way to anything else we've wanted to go to. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. Uh, safety when RVing was another question that she had. Um, And I can honestly say that we have been RVing a long time and have never really felt unsafe in terms of RVing. And certainly I feel a lot safer in an RV than I used to when we were tenters. And even then, you know, you have all of your belongings in your tent or sitting on your picnic table and you go away for the day and it's all just sitting there. Yep. And I cannot remember ever losing anything. If if nothing else, uh, people have seen your lawn chair flying away and they have put it in a right, better place right. than where you left or it. Or your awning or And I remember the time a camper came and told us that a bear had been dancing on our picnic <laughs> table while we were gone. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, so just the opposite. I think that. campers look out for each other. And, you know, just in terms of uh, the mechanics of it, um, a Class A motorhome with one door and such high windows and the door has a bolt lock on it, uh, it makes it very difficult for somebody to get in unless they actually go around smashing windows. And even then they would need a ladder to get in. So we consider our Class A motorhome to be extremely secure. Um, and it allows us uh, on occasion to park in Walmarts and places like that where you might be consider you might be a little bit more concerned about or truck safety. stop or truck stops right um, although we've done that and not really had any problem with that either the truckers are there and they are doing the same thing you are in in most cases so safety mm, 
I hate to poo-poo it, but it just has not been an issue for us. Uh, we would love to hear from you if you have some interesting uh, stories to tell us. Pets? Well, certainly question. many people travel with dogs, and a lot of campgrounds have um, sites segregated by whether you have pets or not. Disney World, for instance. And some Fort campgrounds Wilderness. will charge you a bit extra for a pet, which yes. I always find interesting. <laughs> Why? Um, Drinks more water? Certainly in our case, we are cat people, and when we had a fifth wheel, we did not bring the kitty with us because she wouldn't have been comfortable in the car, nor we with her. And to have her alone in the fifth wheel didn't seem like a good idea. But if you're a Class A person, I see no reason at all not to have an animal with you. As a matter of fact, it's the reason why a you lot of are an RVer is because you can bring your pets along. We've had several people. Because you can't do motel who did car that. trips very conveniently with pets. And I would say well over half the people on our caravans to Mexico and other places have had our, have had pets and have been very pet conscious and pet although, sitters and although if you're trading. taking your pet out of the country to canada or yeah, mexico you want to read a little fine print about vaccinations and stuff i think there's a little paperwork gobbledygook you have to go to but no big deal i will try to put up a couple of links to um these issues um in particular there's a good book um that deals with choosing a, a domicile and maybe Susie would be kind enough to do a review and uh send it to us so that we could uh so that we could put it up here on the RV Navigator for some other issue. We also want to give a shout-out to uh, Andrew and Catherine in Australia. I good think day. They, good day. They must be uh, about our longest-distance listeners, but we are always happy to hear from them. And they sent us a nice picture of their uh, Class C RV. Uh, it's a J-Cow, which I was a little surprised at. I didn't know that they were sold in in Australia. And they were camping in May, and it was in the 35-degree range. <laughs> <laughs> and we certainly can commiserate with that. May in our area is uh, very cold, but at least we have to look forward to uh, nice summer weather, even though as a rule we don't camp too much in the summer. But uh, they are looking forward to their winter, so we will uh, commiserate with them, and this may be the last time that they will be camping for a while because it's just plain too cold in their area. Now, on to the news. Let's talk a little bit about propane safety. And if you're starting early in the spring, you might be heating your pro- your RV for a while, and certainly you're going to be using your propane for cooking. Uh, there was an art- a thing on our news the other day where somebody took their RV to the Indy. Everybody in the family came down with carbon monoxide, and some of the people died. Yes, but uh, in reading on the, about that further, I found out that it was actually a result of carbon monoxide being sucked into their RV from the outside. And that's... Uh something to be really careful about. They were at Indy, and they were apparently parked very close to each other, and their fan drew in carbon monoxide from other people's generators. So in terms of uh, propane safety, um, one of the things you want to make sure is is that your system has uh, been certified and is up to date. Number two, know the smell. You know what the smell of, of... propane is, uh, kind of that rotten egg sort of odor. They put that in because I think it's an actually, it's an odorless gas, but it's put in so that you will notice it when it's when it starts to leak. And certainly I always notice it when we get a fill because a little leaks then, so Mm -hmm. you'll know the smell at that time if you're not sure otherwise. Yeah. Uh, Circulate the air. Um, You should have a door or a window open or a vent um, when you're using your propane um, or your oven. 
and uh, that will um, remove the, the gas residue and the cooking smells and the carbon monoxide and get them out of your rig. Propane should be used for cooking, and don't use the stove for heating. They say the same thing in residential yeah, as absolutely, well. Absolutely, right. Never use the stove burners or the oven to, for space heating, even if it's cold outside. Never cook while your RV is moving. Hmm. Well, at least with the propane. And, of course, there are many portable devices that are uh, heated with propane, and those are meant to be used outside, and that's what you should do. Including, you know, barbecues and radiant heaters, although the catalytic uh, heater that uh, it runs by propane is okay to use indoors. But everything else should be used outdoors. And, of course, you should always be alert to the signs of carbon monoxide poisoning, um, headaches, nausea, dizziness, drowsy, confusion, impaired judgment. Um, the problem is that often everybody in the vehicle is being affected at the same time, yeah. and they all have impaired judgment, and they don't notice, which is why you should really have an alarm of some kind to detect it. And so be sure to get an alarm, and I think all RVs have to have an alarm in them, but uh, if you don't have one, then you need to, uh, if it isn't working, then you need to put one in. That's a carbon monoxide alarm, and it, of course, goes down by the floor because carbon monoxide um, is heavier than air. And as we found out in our RV, um, the previous owner had never used his, and so the original batteries were still in them with the little sealer oh, the paper. the pull tab on it? <laughs> so he'd, he'd used his RV for several years without obviously paying any attention to the various uh, gas alarms that are in the RV. And um, that cylinder that the propane is in is heavy and hard to handle, but you want to be careful when you lug it around and don't bang it into things because you don't want to bend it or um, put any little dings in it that would cause the fuel to leak out. Which could be quite dangerous. <laughs> Indeed. It, it could be like a bomb. And by the same token, don't put it in the spa- passenger compartment of your car or your RV to transport it to get it filled because that could, it could be, be a leaking. disaster. Yeah, if it, if it or if the valve is not tight or something. And if it shows signs of corrosion, rust, and you know they're outdoors many times, they're mounted on the on the tongue of your trailer, of your trailer or you know out, and they get rusty. And uh, it's time to pay attention and make sure that they, especially as you're dewinterizing it and getting it ready for the upcoming season, be sure to check that out because boy. We'd hate to lose any of our listeners. We don't have that many as it is. (laughs) Turn it off when refueling. Um, When you stop to refuel your RV, turn off your your propane um, because a spark may ignite the thing and could blow up the whole whole place. All right. So uh, that takes care of our hints for propane propane safety. safety. We are always interested in new technology devices. Well, some of us are. Oh, we're always interested. And I missed this from the RV show last November, but uh, there is a new one by Cubic Motion that is the one device that does it all. And I have to see this, and I don't really know much about it, but I was reading it is the ultimate RV AV component and I'm going to read you part of the many features that it has built into it. All of this with one remote control. <laughs> I'll put a link up to this. I, I don't know if this product is really true because it does so much. 
It's a fully integrated solution, gives you unparalleled feature set. And boy, is that true. This is both an empowering and completely driver control and user control over a wide range of functions, including it's a media player, media manager, satellite radio, FM radio, audio mixer, Bluetooth phone. It has GPS navigation, a web browser, weather plug-in, rear camera display, DVD player. It has engine controls so that it will display the parameters that your engine is undergoing. Diagnostics, it will do MP3 player support, TV tuner, multiple screens, USB devices, and other custom devices. Wow, one device that does it all. Is that going to be an exciting proposition? I can hardly wait to buy one. I hope it has just one remote control and all the buttons (laughs) work with all those features. They they have no pricing and uh, a picture which does not really help very much. But who knows? It might be the next exciting thing that I will be talking about in the not-too-distant future because I may not be able to resist. Sounds like they hit the Ken button. (laughs) As we think about RVing, uh, certainly the whole gas price uh, topic keeps rearing its ugly head, and uh, this is a topic that will be coming up again and again in a variety of different ways, but certainly one impact that um, it has had is on the construction of RVs, and uh, this is uh, not a new development, but I think it's being getting a greater and greater emphasis we're looking for strong and light materials to uh, build the RVs out of so that you can pull them with smaller, more fuel-efficient engines. As you know, most RVs now are built kind of like a stick house in many ways. Uh, many of them are built with uh, wood studs and fiberglass insulation, and then they put a skin of aluminum on the outside, or they do uh, some sort of fiberglass uh, construction with aluminum studs. But they're still basically heavy and built with... Uh, standard techniques in terms of building. Uh, we mentioned a, a while ago that the Pilgrim Manufacturing is trying to was going to build composite-shelled RVs. And composite metal or composite material is molded. It's very strong, molded, and then it would be the shell from which uh, that would be put over the RV. And another thing they're looking at is building more like parts of the RV altogether rather than putting them together by hand one thing at a time, which also seems like a good idea to me. Um, I've heard many times where somebody has driven a screw through a a wire that eventually causes um, a diagnostic nightmare where something isn't working properly and to have everything kind of built in pieces and then put together um, could be a, a real innovation in the RV construction field. So that it would be cheaper lighter and would uh, provide uh, definite benefits for those of us uh, in the RVing field. Uh, Many companies, of course, are trying to overcome the gas price issue and we notice that as and this is just one of many um, announcements Gulfstream pusher promises better mileage and here Gulfstream is going to be making a new crescendo 324 model that is promises to have 50% better gas mileage and I think you know that these companies are going to be trying to overcome the the problem of high gas prices by making models that get better gas mileage and that'll keep people camping 
Ken found an article that really gave me a chuckle. I'm sure it will you, too. Uh, we, we mentioned when we were at the RV show this winter that we saw some um, iCamp trailers manufactured by the Chinese, and we speculated then on how much they really knew about camping. But gosh darn it, they're, they're trying to learn. Uh, they're madly learning English in preparation for the Olympics, and they are trying to figure out what those crazy Westerners are up to. And so the RV lifestyle is beginning to... Um, maybe put a little toe into the Chinese public awareness. Um, according to this article, China, which has more people than the rest of the world put together, has 20 campgrounds. You came up with an interesting statistic today about Oh, that's China. what I was reading. They, they're madly studying English in preparation for the Olympics. Right. So more people in China are learning how to speak English than speak English in the United States. Can you imagine that? That's one big country. So as I was saying, they now have a whopping 20 campgrounds and the largest <laughs> campground has 50 sites. So when you think of those gazillion and, and Chinese running around. That's not the, really the funny part. And the, the other interesting thing is that it is illegal to drive an RV or tow <laughs> a trailer illegal. on the Chinese highways. So these campgrounds <laughs> have the RV already on site. <laughs> kind of negating the benefits of the RV lifestyle that we think of because why go to an RV in a campground when you can go to a hotel room? <laughs> it's about the same thing. Oh, but, we got to go to China and check this out. I'd love to go see what they're But God what bless they're them, doing. they're trying. It's a big country and it's it's coming along. Um, on a more serious note, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the reason why diesel prices have uh, gone up so much more than, than gasoline. I don't know. When we bought our our diesel pickup, we were pretty excited that uh, we were finally going to get to be able to use diesel because not only does a diesel engine get better gas mileage, but it also the fuel was so much cheaper and it was frequently 20 and 30 cents a gallon cheaper and as soon as we bought that truck the prices skyrocketed it must be our fault and this has always been kind of a conundrum for me i I don't understand what's happened but uh, in doing some reading i uh, read a very enlightening piece by bruce butler who's a a full-time rver and he tried to do some research about um, why the prices of diesel are so much higher than they, they than they were, especially in real relation to gasoline. And he's a credible author because he worked in the industry mm-hmm. before he retired. Yeah. And I'm going to read a little portion of his post here. It has to do with our refining capacity. North America is primarily a gasoline-consuming economy, whereas Europe and now China and India are primarily diesel economies. Our refineries are designed for maximum gasoline output, whereas Europe refineries are primarily diesel refineries. In the USA, diesel was a secondary or byproduct, so it was cheaper. But more important, we made more than we could sell. Less demand and excess capacity means lower prices. So basically, we traded our secondary excess products with Europe for their secondary excess products, gasoline. We sent them our excess diesel in return for their excess gasoline. Since then, three things have happened to upset the apple cart and drive up our prices. Number one, the U.S. refining capacity has maxed out, so we don't have any excess capacity to meet demand for gasoline and now diesel. Two, the 
Kyoto Protocol has caused Europe to increase their consumption of diesel, so they have less to trade. And three, China and India are primarily diesel economies, so their demand for diesel has increased. Therefore, since we have to go out to the world market for refined products, where diesel is in much higher demand, for reasons listed above, we now have to pay more for diesel. Good old supply and demand at work again. And that's a pretty good explanation that I can understand about why uh, we are paying so much for diesel. In our area, diesel is coming up to $5 a gallon, and that is up in the last six months, you know, a couple bucks a gallon. So, boy, that's, uh, that's hurting us, and we're going to be interested to see how that affects camping. We're going to now zip on to the tech corner. Connecting to the internet on the go. You know, one of the things that everybody wants to do is connect to the internet. And we have um, a new device here made by Sprint. And it looks like a, a flash drive. You know, these little USB cards that you plug into your computer. Only this one is a flash drive, but it also is a modem. And it will allow you to connect and get high-speed DSL-like speeds to your uh, computer uh, from any cell phone connection through Sprint or Verizon, which is very cool because uh, this now makes plugging it in. You don't have to have extra ports. You don't have to have extra devices. And it just plugs right into your computer and zing, you're on the high-speed Internet. And that's something we always want. The device itself costs 50 bucks, which was no big deal, I think. Um, but, of course, the $60 a month service is something you'll have to decide whether it's worth it. But 60 bucks for unlimited service and, of course, you could use it at home as well as on the road makes it probably something that would be uh, somewhat viable. Next month, we're going to talk about installation of our new TV and the family squabbles that ensue. <laughs> but I was going to do this this month, but we didn't we get far, very far we get very much on this project. We did get the old TV out. The big one that you almost bump your head on when you come in the door is no longer there. So you understand the issue is, is that due to the digital TV broadcasting that will that's going to start next February, um, you will probably have to replace the TVs in your RV. I've mentioned this before, um, and we'll probably talk about it two or three more times, but I'm in the process um, of replacing our TVs now rather than later because it's summer and I don't want to do it in the middle of the winter. So I'm going to replace the heavy front TV, which weighs 80 pounds. It's a Sony 26-inch, which was not... A big TV, but it weighs a heck of a lot, and it's got that huge giant cabinet in the front, and I'm going to replace it with um, an LCD that has the digital tuner, <laughs> whose initials I can't remember. This is going to be a necessity if you want to receive over-the-air TV, and that's as an RVer, that's something we probably will want to do. So yesterday, we took the old one out. I thought this was going to be a huge project, but it involved removing three or four screws, uh, taking off the faceplate, and then there was a metal bracket there that held the TV in. And uh, with a couple of friends and neighbors, we unscrewed the bracket and lifted the old TV out, and now there is a big empty area beautiful, nice cabinet that we can put in our new LCD. 
My concern is that the new TVs are more rectangular in shape than the old ones, and I am very happy with how the inside of our RV looks, and I Ooh, want to make sure that the that. cabinetry around our new TV will look just as nice. And while between us we have many skills, <laughs> neither of us is a carpenter. You've mentioned so that before. This is an why. issue. My next challenge then is to get a TV to put in there. So stay tuned, dear listener. We will keep you posted, and there will be pictures available so that you can see how we've done it because you may be wanting to do exactly the same thing. And I have read uh, numerous posts on the various forums, and I find that uh, many people are doing this. And so uh, us sharing information about how to make this happen actually is a good thing, and it uh, really helps us out in making it happen. But it looks like we're going to be able to take out the 26-inch and put in a 32-inch. Whoop-de-doo. A 32-inch for a 26-inch old TV fit. And less weight. We'll probably gain an extra MPG. MPGs, yes. That's what we're always looking for. So that's our new TV. Stay tuned next month because uh, I hope to have it installed by then. Also want to mention a couple of interesting websites that uh, we always like to put uh, websites on our um, podcast because it's uh, something that you always like to look at and I get good comments about this and we want to mention this month uh, the Yahoo Groups website if you are interested in a topic then you want to go to yahoo uh, groups.yahoo.com and type in your topic and there will be a group of people who is interested in chatting about whatever you want to talk about and what you do is you put in uh, you subscribe and then put it in as a digest, and once a day you get an email that combines all of the emails and responses sent to the group, and you can keep up with uh, various topics. So I'm a member of the uh, RV Communications Group. I'm a member of the Ma- uh, not Monaco heavens of the Numar Yahoo Group, where Numar owners share their tips and tricks and questions and i'm also a member of the photography one and several others and it's a very good way for you to find out information and ask questions of the group and you'll almost always get a decent answer blogs of course are a big topic these days and there are several rv blogs but the one i like the best is the RVNet blog, and that's at blog.rv.net. And it is a great, great blog because it, it's written by experts and it, the wide variety of topics that uh, are covered. And each member of the blog is responsible for posting once a month, or sorry, once a week. And they put in a couple hundred words. Uh, it's got some very good tips. Now, being a member does not mean that you have to write 200 words, but that this means there's quite a lot of information for you to read about on the blog. And it's not centered on one specific topic. They have destinations, tech tips. They have topics that you'll be interested in, in reading about. So take a look at those two places. I'll put, of course, links to those on our RV Navigator on notes page for this month. Now on to features. GPSs. 
Well, as you've heard me only... say many times, I love our GPS. I hardly go anywhere without it. Even now that we're at home, I still find myself turning it on because it often finds a better way to go wherever you're headed. But which GPS is best for you? Well, one thing I have noticed is that they have come down drastically in price. price. As is often the case uh, with my high-tech husband, Ooh. we buy the first gizmo as soon as it comes out when it's still ridiculously priced, and they become far more reasonable. So there's there's a price range that should be affordable by almost any RVer. Consumer Reports is my Bible because they test uh, products in an unbiased fashion. And I've been a subscriber to them for years. And I'm happy to report that in the June 2008 issue that they have uh, reported on GPS navigators. I will put a link to this, but I think you have to, you might want to run out and buy this by the magazine or go to the library and take a look at it. And they have a very nice website where you could read about this, but I think it uh, it requires a subscription. But basically, they give you the lowdown on all types of GPSs from all the manufacturers. And I'm lo- just looking at one of the pages. Not only do they tell you about the features and which things you might want to have, but they also, of course, rate them by actual numbers and features. The one they rate the highest is the one that we have. Ta-da! The new V760. It is rated as very high, and of course, we like it very much. The lowest rated rated is the Jensen Rock and Road. Um, it's not cheap. It's 550 and many of the ones that they give the best buy to are actually quite inexpensive. They rate um, the TomTom 1, which is $200, as a best buy. They rate the Garmin Nuvi 260 as a best buy at $300. They also rate the Garmin Nuvi 350 at $350 as a best buy. So those are the three that they rate as best buys. Um, We love the Garmin, um, but we don't have much experience with the other models. But um, this is the place to go to read about uh, which of the GPSs to buy if you have resisted until this moment. And certainly these days there are many RVs and cars that come with the GPS already built in, which kind of makes the choice for you. Uh, but I really like having the portable. Um, I like being able to move it from vehicle to vehicle and to update it when something better comes along. Uh, you do have to kind of hide it when you leave your vehicle because it is an easy thing for someone to steal. But I've heard about people breaking into cars and stealing them out of the dashboard, too. Uh, so if I have a choice, I would rather be able to buy my own separate from the vehicle. But the new V that we have is also battery operated so that you can use it when you're walking, which is also a nice feature. Or, or on your doing, bike. Or, if you're on your bike or if you're doing geocaching. The other thing that's mentioned uh, in this issue that you would probably want to take a look at is the portable computers are rated. And if you're looking in or if you're shopping around for a new laptop, you might want to take a look at this issue of the Consumer Reports magazine. Just as a quick uh, review, they rate the Dell Inspiron 1721 as a Best Buy. That's the only one they list as a Best Buy. Oh, no, as a Best Buy. So, of the portables. But there are lots of others that are rated here, including our favorites, the apples. Okay, well, I'm being reined in because I'm talking about too much technology and not enough about RVing. But be assured that uh, if you want a great computer, that you always want to take a look at a Mac. And, of course, everything that's part of the RV Navigator is done on a Macintosh. So we're totally objective. (laughs) Well, it's done pretty well for you. All right, so on to the next big feature. Um, and this one I'm, I'm t- 
titling The Future of RVing because uh, with the gas prices and things going up so much, it's really questionable whether a lot of people will be RVing. Or maybe it's not so questionable. Or we'll we'll go back to our tent camping again. We might go back to our tent camping. We're going to start off here with an interview that I got off the web, an interview um, that reporter Ron Shearer did, and he did that for the Christian Science Monitor. So let's take a listen to that because he has a very interesting perspective on how the gas prices are affecting full-timers. This is the time of year when the snowbirds are driving their Winnebago's and towed RVs north from Florida. You can't miss them. They often have a car attached to the back of their vehicles, so when they get to New York or Connecticut or somewhere north, they have a set of wheels to use there as well. But with gasoline now closing in on a record three seventy-five a gallon and diesel well over $4 a gallon, will it cut down on the migration? To find out, I went out to eastern Pennsylvania. First, I stopped at the Pine Hill RV Park and talked to Bob and Linda Timko. They had just arrived from Florida, where they had worked at Disney World. Even though they only get about 10 miles per gallon when they are towing their 36-foot Cardinal, they said they loved the RV lifestyle, the freedom and adventure, the exploration of America, and the great friendships over the years. Yes, the rising fuel prices will have some effect. They will eat out less. They may cut down on their drives, and they may have to work more. But exchange their RVs for a condo? No way. And all around America, there are other signs others agree. The campgrounds are filling up. At Pine Hill, there were only four places left for the Memorial Day weekend. A few miles away, the manager of the Boat and RV Superstore shows the visitor the 30 acres of RVs for sale. Business is so strong, his company is adding a fourth location. Gas prices? Yes, some people are going for lighter and more fuel-efficient vehicles, but business is good. And I found RVers are especially good at finding low-priced gasoline. One couple told me they waited at a Flying J with other RVers because it was the cheapest gas around. Yes, they said the prices will make some difference. They may skip some NASCAR races that they normally attend, but the gas prices won't keep them home this summer. I'm Ron Shearer with the Christian Science Monitor in New York. Well, thanks to Ron for doing that interview, and it was it is very interesting that people are in love with RVing and they're not really going to stop RVing just because the gas prices are high. We've been working on our next major RV exactly. trip, which is um, New England Fall Colors Adventure, and we didn't quite know how to handle it. We love to travel whimsically, as longtime listeners know, but we did get um, our campground reference materials out and go online and made some reservations. And the campground owners that we talked to in uh, Vermont, New Hampshire... Uh, Massachusetts uh, made it very clear that here we are at the end of May and it was none too early to be making making reservations for the fall color time, which is um, mid-September and mid-October. We would have absolutely expected, but... Right. Even this year. Now, of course, the question is whether most of the people that are going to these campgrounds are more local people as opposed to people who will have to drive 900 miles, in our case, before we get there. 
But I think RVing is one of those things where you can come back, cut back a little bit by not putting as many miles on, but the actual RVing experience is actually pretty reasonably priced, and families will continue to do it. I have another article here that's, that's titled, Statistics Show Travel Bookings Up for RVing and Camping. And they talk about uh, there being a 23% increase in the bookings uh, at this online website between May up to May 2008 uh, as compared to the year before, which is very interesting. You wouldn't expect with the high prices of gas that people would actually be uh, doing that much RVing. But what are you doing? How is, how is this impacting your plans for the future? It is impacting us. We were planning on going to the Maritimes, but we decided that the $6 a gallon for fuel in Canada was just a bit too much, especially with the, with with the, the dollar. dollar. But yeah. doing New England uh, looks feasible to us. And I think it's one of those things where we drive there, and it's going to cost us a few dollars to drive there. But once we're there, we're not going to be driving that many miles. As a matter of fact, we're kind of shocked at how close things are. Yeah, as, it's a compact area of the country as, a, of the, as opposed to out west. So are people really cutting back? And I, I'm not sure if that's really the case. I, th- I think we're reading mixed things. Uh, yeah. I follow the blog of the Gypsy Journal, a gentleman mm-hmm. who does a, a periodic newsletter for RVers, and he was in the Elkhart campground where he often spends lengthy periods of time uh, over the Memorial Day weekend, and he reported that the number of sites filled was down about a third. So from his perspective, people have cut back, at least for that holiday weekend. But by the same token, I read about... Uh, today about the Wisconsin State Parks uh, Reservation System uh, having over a 10% increase in bookings as of this at this time of the year as opposed to last year at this time. So maybe there's uh, the local issue and maybe people are just saying, hey, I'm going to take a vacation. And I deserve it. A perspective from that I have is that I, I can remember paying a buck and a half. The first time I paid a buck and a half for a, gas, a gallon of gasoline was in West Yellowstone. <laughs> and that's because <laughs> and I was you're like, old. Well, I was like shocked that it was so high. And, you know, now... You would love it. You'd stand in line for it. I would stand in line for it. And that I think that we will get used to $4 a gallon. The problem is this is that it's going up so fast. So rapidly. You feel like you have to gas up today because tomorrow it'll be even higher. As we just went by the station, it went up 12 cents between the time when we left and the time we came back. This is the case that we are living in times when there's this inflation in our travel expenses. But who would have thought that I would have paid $70 $70 for a campsite. Yeah, that's another inflation. Who would have thought that I would have paid $5 for a gallon of gas or diesel? Who would have thought that all the other things that we spend on camping would be so expensive? Nobody a few years ago, but I've become used to it. So when I go down to Florida and I see $70, or in the case of Key West, $100 a night campgrounds, oh, well, it's expensive, but... And those campgrounds are full. And those campgrounds are full, exactly. And we're finding New England to be substantially less expensive, but it still is a shock. But it's one of those shocks that we probably will get over. Well, you wonder where it's going to stop because it's been going up so fast. Yeah, that, that that's really the issue. So I guess we will uh, ask for your input on this, and please feel free to leave us a message, and we will be uh, glad to put it on the air. Once again, our number is 815-230-0772. And since we'll be home, 
home for at least another month, and we won't have any personal RV experiences to share. Uh, we love uh, your questions and your ideas for topics. But they're very interested to hear what happens with the TV, and they also want to hear about video, which are the topics for next month. We'll see. Don't you think they are? <laughs> oh, well. This is Ken, your RV navigator, and I'll be signing off for now, hoping that we'll see you in a campground near us very soon. And Martha the Navigator wishing you happy travels.